we were like, we've got to slow this train down. You know, we're going sprinting up this real estate mountain, but I, we're not really sure why we're going so fast and doing all this. And so we stepped back and thought about it and sort of reoriented our business and our goals. And we each made a list of saying, what are the things that are important to you in your life that this business and that the money this business is generating can support? You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grown-ups! you know that expression, go big or go home? What if part of your goal was to go home, to spend more time with your friends and family and going big was keeping you from doing that? Everyone, you're going to love the story that we have today from our financial grown-up coach, Chad Carson. First, welcome to everyone and special thank you to those of you who have given me shout outs and some love on social media Knowing that I am making an impact on your lives and that the show is meaningful to you means everything to me. So thank you for the love and the support. And speaking of, my other podcast, Money with Friends, recently got a lot of support from Coach Chad Carson, someone I've really enjoyed getting to know over the past few months. We were introduced by my Money with Friends co-host, Joe Saul Hi. Some of you may know him from a little show called Stacking Benjamins. Chad brought his real estate and financial expertise to the Money with Friends show, and I'm so happy that he has also agreed to sit down with me and share a little more about his own financial real estate experiences and so much more. Here is Coach Chad Carson. Hey, Chad Carson, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bobby. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So great to have you here. You just recently got off your stint co-hosting as a guest co-host on season one of Money with Friends with me. You are known, by the way, as Coach Carson, for those who are not familiar with you. And you have an amazing podcast of your own, the Real Estate and Financial Independence Podcast, which I always see at the top of the charts on iTunes. Actually, it's now called Apple Podcasts, I should say. So congrats on that podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on The Money with Friends. I had so much fun hanging out, talking money with you. It was a really good time. You are a total fan favorite. And for those who did not get a chance to check it out, those episodes are all there on the Money with Friends podcast feed. You can see, you can hear my episodes with Chad. And you were always so generous, Chad, because a lot of our live Facebook audience would stay after and ask you even more questions because you're such a wonderful resource for real estate and investing and renting homes and learning how to house hack and all those good things. So it's really been a pleasure to have you and to learn from you. Thank you. I love interacting and teaching and talking money. So like you, I think we could just talk about this stuff and have fun with it all day. And part of the fun is you're going to share your money story that you brought with us. It has to do, this is a great tease, this title, Sprinting Up the Real Estate Mountain. I don't know whether to be excited or a little bit scared because <laughs> um, I'm not in great shape. So I don't know what this this analogy means, but go for it. Yeah. So as you can imagine, sprinting up a mountain is probably not a good idea for anybody. Sprinting up is a little dangerous. But my story is I, I graduated from college about 18 years ago, almost now. Amazing. But I graduated from college and I was I thought I would go into one career as a, I was a biology major, pre-med. I thought that's what I would do. And I took a break just to be an entrepreneur. And I started flipping houses, like finding properties to buy and got into kind of the real estate investing thing. 
And Wait, I, back it up a little. How does that just happen? Yeah. So I, I just read some books on a shelf. My father was in rental properties, had rental properties. And so he, hap- he happened to have some real estate books on his shelf. I'm at home post-college saying, what am I going to do with my life? And I said, I think I'm going to do this instead for a couple of years, instead of going to medical school, which was a little crazy at the time, because that was the normal path I sh- probably should take you know, uh, in society. But I decided to be an entrepreneur. I lived at home for a year. I lived my second year in business. I lived in my business partner's spare bedroom for free. So I was just basically bootstrapping it as long as wait, I could. So wait, was your father helping you? How did Who was your business partner? How did you get to that point? Yeah. So my parents definitely helped me the first year because I lived at home. Were they wanting you to go to medical school or were they happy for you to kind of... They were, they were happy. They were happy for me to do this as well. So I, was, I had support from them. Um, my father was an entrepreneur. My mother was a, a dentist. So she's in the medical field. But they they were happy with it. They were encouraging me. So I was very fortunate in that respect. But after after a year, I was on my own. And so this had saved up some money, moved to a different state. And that's when I, I met a, as a friend of mine from college. And we just went into business together. Neither one of us had business experience with real estate. Neither one of us had a lot of money. So it wasn't like the, it wasn't like the smartest type of start as a, as a real estate venture. But we were scrappy. We liked to hustle. And we were ready to sprint, which I guess is kind of part of the part of the story, we went to a class and we watched uh, that the person who was teaching that class had some really exciting kind of inspiring goals where they were buying and selling a lot of properties. And we just sort of gravitated to that and said, Hey, that sounds good. That's a good goal to have. Why don't we go buy and sell a lot of properties? And they were, they were buying and selling like 50 properties per year. Okay. Wait, let me just stop you there because there's a fine line between the people that are the real deal that will legitimately teach you. And then there's a lot of people out there that make a lot of promises to people. These real estate conferences or or presentations, and they say, we're going to help you do that, are notorious for not always being on exactly. the up and up. How exactly. did you know that, that yours was a good one? And what can people watch for if they go to these seminars to know if they're at a good one or not? Yeah. So you, you hit the nail on the head that a lot of those are a little bit more rah-rah than they are the practical nuts and bolts of like, here's how you do it. We took the rah-rah. I was 23 years old and just said, oh, we can do this. Let's let's go do it. As, as naive as that sounds, that's that's what I did. And, and I, I would say to go back to your question though, yeah, I always found that I got good information from a lot of things, but I, I would avoid paying. Like, there's there's some where you they have they're almost like pyramid schemes where you you know you get in for for free for one day, and then you have to pay three hundred bucks to go for the weekend, and then you have to pay ten thousand bucks for our you know our consulting and our course that lasts for six months. And when they start getting in the pyramid scheme thing, that's you, you've lost me there. You know, when you're you're brand new and you don't have much money, and they're asking you to put money on on credit cards and get a lot of credit card debt in order to learn about real estate investing. That's a problem. <laughs> so those are red flags. What are the green flags? The green flags are people who are doing it, who are still investing, and who are out there buying properties, who own rental properties. For me, the green flag is that they're not pushing you to do financially stupid things in order to buy their thing. You know, if you're having to go into a lot of debt with credit cards to buy some person's program, yeah, that's a problem. Like you could spend that same amount of money going and buying an investment. And so that's an issue. And we, we, we did spend some money on education. We did go to some classes, obviously, 
but to our, I guess to our benefit, we, we went out and applied a lot of it and we started buying and selling a lot of houses. And how did you get the capital to start? This is from saving from living at home for the one year. No, we, we partnered with other people. So I'm, I'm just getting out of college. And so I I met a professor from Clemson university where I went to school, go tigers. And, um, this professor just mentioned that he invested in real estate. And so I just sort of stuck to him like glue after class and said, Hey, could I uh, follow you around or jumping in your car and go look at your houses? You know, I was just sort of probably annoying a little bit, but he recognized some sincerity there. And so I just started asking questions and learning from him and eventually said, I'm out looking for properties. If I found a really good deal, is there some way you could put up the money and we could both make a profit on this? And he said, yes. And he started putting up some of the money. And he's actually to this day, 18 years later, the form of getting the money has changed, but that he's still been a private lender for our business almost 18 years later. And we help fund his retirement. We pay, we pay him interest every month that allows him to do whatever he wants to do and travel with his family. And we have rental properties that allow us to pay him interest and we make money as well. Okay. So you started out with a very ambitious plan with a partner, with an investor. What happens next? Yeah, we, we got overheated. So we, we bought it. We, we got too big, too fast. I guess the big issue was or the, the sprint up the real estate mountain was that we, we went to classes and other people were saying that bigger was better and buying a lot of properties is good. But we never really thought about like, you know, why, why would we, why would we do that? Like, what, what's the result of this in our lives that makes it good to be, get bigger and do it faster? And in 2007, so kind of history lesson that recent history that people probably remember, 2007, eight, you know, great recession, economy collapses, lots of real estate is kind of the core problem with that. And we bought 30, we had 39 closings where we bought properties in 2007, Wow. I can't even imagine keeping track of all of that. Yeah, we got systematized. We were very organized. I'm organized. I've built business systems. We and and most of those are really good deals, actually. So we flipped some properties that made fifty, sixty thousand bucks on flipping a house, you know, fixing it up and flipping it. So we did did well. We had money in the bank. But we also bought some properties that were rental properties that we would keep for a longer period of time. And we made mistakes on a, on a handful of them, not all of them. We made mistakes where we bought in wrong locations. We, we underestimated some of the remodel cost. And so, you know, what we, should have been a $15,000 budget was really a $30,000 budget for a remodel. And so the long and short of it is, is that we got to the end of 2007 and I'll give credit to my business partner more than me. We were like, we've got to slow this train down. You know, we're going sprinting up this real estate mountain, but we're not really sure why we're going so fast and doing all this. And so we stepped back and thought about it and sort of reoriented our business and our goals. And we each made a list of saying, what are the things that are important to you in your life that this business and that the money this business is generating can support? Like, what is it? And it was really eye-opening because on my list, I wrote down things like play pickup basketball for two hours in the middle of the day. And wow. you know, how much money does that cost? Zero. Zero. I had a pickup basketball. But it costs group, your you time, know? Chad. It, it costs cost your time. Exactly. And so that was the big aha moment. And was that, you know, money is important. Money is one currency. It's not the only currency. And I got that idea from at the exact same time I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, which so that idea itself of that you have multiple currencies in your life. Money is a really important one. But a lot of the time we sell all of our other currencies, like our time and our flexibility, and we sell those for the highest bidder. We get to make the most money. And that's not the way it always needs to work. That you, especially as an entrepreneur, and for all of us, if we're investing our own money on the side, we can decide how we orient and prioritize our life to some extent. 
And, and so that's what we tried to do. So what happened with the business? You took it down a notch. What happened with these properties? 2007 was not a good year. 2008, I should say. 2008 was worse than 2007. Yeah. We, we didn't buy that many properties after that. That's the, the long and short. We, we had some money saved in the bank, thankfully. We were very frugal. We didn't spend much of the money that we made. So that was a smart move. But we had to use a lot of that money because we had a lot of negative cash flow on certain properties where the tenant moved out and we had an extra 10 or 15,000 repairs that we didn't think we had. And so it was sort of a game of just pivoting, changing, learning how to be really good rental landlords, learning how to handle uh, your cash flow and financing. And we did okay. Like We didn't make any money for a year or two, but we didn't lose a bunch of money either. We got through that and sold some properties. We refinanced some properties and we bought some new properties because it was one of the best times in probably all of our lifetimes was 2009, 10, 11 to buy real estate because we had good relationships with people like my professor and other people we had borrowed money from, we were actually able to buy some of the best deals we ever had in the years following that once we recovered and kind of got out of there. So what is the lesson for our listeners from this story? I think the lesson, no matter whether you're in business or not, whether you invest in real estate or not, is to be more deliberate with your money goals. And that for us, that was a really big aha that have money's important, but it's not the only thing in the equation. And we probably all know this sort of intuitive that money's not everything. There's other things more important in life. But I don't know how often, at least I didn't, actually put that into effect and and prioritize that with your money, with your investing, with your business. Actually, like put those other things in your life. And so we really did that. We actually, like my wife and I took a four-month mini retirement kind of trip in 2009 where we said, I'm not going to make any money for the next four months. In fact, we're going to save money for a while and just take off and travel. And so travel was important to us. And we had to prioritize that and balance that in into our lives. And I think, to, you know, everybody's got different flexibility and abilities to be able to do that, but we can start prioritizing and balancing those. Your everyday money tip also has to do with a priority that you really do all the time. Yeah, my tip is that that you and I, like we are the, the, the people who are listening to this, we are our number one asset. And so we think about sometimes investing our money and our time into investments and money, you know, in businesses, but like, what about improving ourselves? And so my tip is one thing I like to do is actually like prioritize and budget a little bit of time every day, usually in the morning for me, when I actually read a book or listen to a podcast like this, or watch a YouTube video specifically trying to improve a skill or something that I really want to learn. So you can have pleasure reading and enjoying reading, which is great too. But actually like trying to get better at something. Like for me, for the last six months, I've been trying to get better at YouTube and creating YouTube videos. And I'm like a broken record. My wife was like, are you watching another how to do YouTube video chat? I'm like, yep, that's what I'm doing right now. And so for 20 minutes a day, I'm budgeting that time. I'm getting better at it. And you'd be amazed how good you can get at anything if you budget some time, budget some money, maybe to go to a class, go to a conference, if you, if you want to get good at being on YouTube and making YouTube videos, within six months, you can get really good at it if you prioritize and focus your time on it. And so that's my tip is to budget your money and time to improve yourself, to improve your own skills. And that actually leads to not only money, but also other skills, other happiness skills, other things that you want to do in your life. 
Very well said. Before I let you go, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Um, the Real Estate and Financial Independence Podcast with Coach Chad Carson has literally zoomed to the top of the charts. And by the way, I do want to mention your blog did win an award just recently at FinCon. So congratulations Thank on you. that as well. Thank you. Well, my blog, Coach Carson, and my podcast, Real Estate and Financial Independence, are really interrelated. My my goal there is I'm, I'm right at the intersection of the financial independence, retire early movement, and the real estate investing kind of bigger pockets community, which I'm very close to as well. So I try to teach people how to invest in real estate, but not necessarily to own a thousand units and take over the world, but how to own a few properties to use those properties to generate income, to build wealth, and eventually to do spend your time, which we've talked about today, doing what matters and and whatever that is, whether that's being spending time with your family, traveling, contributing, giving back. I think all of those are interrelated, and I try to help people with my podcast and with my blog to be able to do that. Well, you share a lot of amazing knowledge. Where can people find out everything about you and follow you on the social channels? Everything's at coachcarson.com. So you can go there and find my podcast. You can find my blog articles. And I hang out a lot on Instagram. I'm on Twitter and Facebook. So if you look up Coach Carson on any of those, I'll be there. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Bobby. It's always fun. Okay, my friends, financial grown up tip number one. Chad talks about taking time to educate yourself, maybe 20 minutes a day. I couldn't agree more, but I want to add that one way to accomplish this is to add an accountability element by telling someone and maybe making it mutual, check in on each other. I know that when I was studying for the CFP, Certified Financial Planner exam, I was being checked on by some friends who had recently passed the exam and that really helped. If you were taking an online class, maybe get a friend to take it as well so you guys can keep up with each other and stay on track. Financial grown-up tip number two, one of the best things that Chad was able to do was to buy property when prices were cheap at a time when a lot of other people just didn't have the resources because he did. He had cash on the side ready to go when there were opportunities. He wasn't over leveraged. And that can be applied to all parts of our lives. Having available resources for when others aren't so flush can be a huge advantage. Big thanks to those of you who have written reviews. If you enjoy the show, please take a few minutes to write a few kind words about the work that we do here. And of course, subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. I know the community is growing and I truly, truly appreciate your support. Seeing some new reviews would mean the world to me. Big thanks to Coach Chad Carson for helping us all be financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.